Hello and welcome to the TIFF podcast. This is Shamal Haroon. I'm pleased to say the podcast now has an editorial group with representation from Health Education West Midlands, the Faculty of Public Health, and the UK Public Health Register, or UKPHR for short. The UKPHR plays an important role in the development and training of the public health workforce. I spoke to David Kidney to discuss this further. Hi, David. Uh, thanks very much for joining the podcast. Could you please introduce yourself and say a little bit about your background? Hi, Shamal. Glad to. So I'm David Kidney and I run the UK Public Health Register. And for me, this is my third career in my working life. I started out as um, a solicitor in law for the first 20 years. Then I was elected to Parliament and I was a politician for 13 years. And now my third and final career is in public health. So today we're talking about the UK Public Health Register. I was wondering if you could give a little bit of background on that. Yeah, gladly. I mean, the way the register was set up is actually quite interesting. We go back to 2003, and until then, most of the people who got to the top of the public health career ladder, as specialists and leaders, were doctors, occasionally dentists, who were subject to registration by the General Medical Council and the General Dental Council. But increasingly, this multidisciplinary public health force that we were building up uh, was producing leaders who weren't doctors and dentists, and they had no regulatory home. And the peculiar arrangement the government decided on to give them a regulatory home was to set up ourselves, not as a regulator like the General Medical Council, but as a, a private, not-for-profit company running a voluntary register for people to apply to become registered on, which is very unusual for those days, but that's how we came to be set up so specifically we were taking on our register voluntarily, the people in public health who were multidisciplinary skilled and were leaders or aspiring leaders of the public health workforce. Great. And could you say a bit about uh, what it means to be part of the register and um, what the requirements are? Yeah, sure. So those original um specialists were coming to us really one of three ways I think. The first one was if they were not doctors or dentists and they completed the five-year training program they were perfectly kind of qualified to be on our register. They were competent and we would take them onto the register on application. There were some people who were on the specialist registers of the General Medical Council and the General Dental Council as specialists in public health and we're willing to uh, duly register them with us as well as with their other regulator. And another group of people would complete a portfolio for assessment by us, and we would assess whether they'd got the equivalent uh, competence of someone who'd done the five-year training program. And originally that was what we called generalist specialists, uh, exactly the same as people who'd completed the five-year program. And then in, over time, we developed something called the defined specialist, which was an alternative kind of portfolio assessment route. So there were two portfolio assessment routes running side by side. So by the end of the 2000s, before 2010, we'd got um, a, a range of ways in which a specialist could come onto our register. 
And it was from there we developed, um, subsequently, registering public health practitioners and then public health specialty registrars. Great. And, and in terms of public health practitioners, um, when, when they're registered with UKPHR, um, what would you say are the unique advantages of, of registration and, and, what, and what would it enable them to do that they might otherwise perhaps not be able to, to accomplish? Well, I mean, currently, um, just going back to the specialist for a moment to explain the position for practitioners, um, although we were a register that people could choose whether to come onto the register or not as a specialist, um, basically most employers wouldn't employ a specialist unless they were on our register. So although it was voluntary to be on the register, actually it was necessary to be on the register to get a job. So that made it quite an easy decision for a specialist to become registered. For a practitioner, um, at the beginning, we, we piloted practitioner registration in four parts of the United Kingdom. Uh, and since then, it's been kind of slowly building up, and it doesn't quite cover all of the United Kingdom yet as a form of uh, registration. It's a little bit more difficult for us to say to employers, you, know, you should only employ public health practitioners if they're on our register, because there are not enough people on the register yet. So there's a bit of a chicken and egg there. But I think the first thing that most practitioners would think about is, if I go on this register, will it enhance my employability? And I think the answer is already yes, in the sense that being on the register is an assurance of competence and a particular regulatory framework that gives employers and those who commission services from other people, it gives them the confidence that if they choose someone on the register, they will be competent to do the work. So there are benefits already to individuals of being on the register, but um, I, I can't honestly say yet that all employers require every employee in a public health practitioner role to be on the register. It's what we aspire to and it's what's happening, but it's, it's slow yet. And in terms of the accreditation of, of the register, could you say a bit more about that? Yes, it's interesting that not being um, a statutory regulator, we're not subject to oversight by Parliament and we're not um, inspected by any of the other regulatory bodies like the Care Quality Commission. So how do we satisfy the outside world that we are good at our job as a, as a voluntary register? And in 2012, that Act of Parliament that quite a lot of people find very memorable, the Health and Social Care Act, Amongst all the other things it did about health, it introduced um, a new scheme called the Assured Registers, the, um, Assured Registers, Registers um, Scheme. And the Professional Standards Authority um, accredits voluntary registers to put them onto this scheme. And so we, uh, under that statutory scheme, sought accreditation by the uh, Professional Standards Authority in 2014. And we were successful. So we did the only thing that we could do beyond being a voluntary register, that the law allowed us to satisfy uh, external audiences that we've been objectively assessed as meeting good standards of regulation. And that uh, accreditation is renewable annually, and ours has been renewed in 2015 and 2016. And so we're still going strong as an accredited register. And uh, you've mentioned already the, the advantage of the uh, one of the main benefits of the UK PHR in providing assurance to employers um, about um, the public health workforce. Could you say a bit more about um, the benefits um, and implications of registration? 
Yeah, I think this is the most important thing of, as to why do we exist and what are we for, really. Um, we do see ourselves as a regulator. We are here to assure the public that the people on our register can practice safely and they won't cause uh, public harm by their practice. So I think we have an important audience with the public themselves. And I think for the individuals, as I've said earlier, they they have this objective standard by getting on our register that they have proved their competence and that they are competent to practice. And ditto for employers and uh, commissioners of the public health workforce that if they choose someone from the register, there are assured standards that they can be confident about. So all of those things are really important. And being uh, a public register, which we are, it means that any member of the public, any employer, any fellow worker can check that somebody is on our register and that therefore they're competent. And also being public means that if somebody had a complaint or if there was other information that came to our attention that suggested somebody wasn't safe to practice, we can actually take them off the register in order to protect the public from harm. And that's the crucial role of a regulator and that's how we see our ultimate power is removing someone if they're not safe. And am I right in thinking that the register is entirely uh, viewable by the public in the same way as the GMC register is? It's completely uh, available to the public online and people can check the, the entries of every one of our uh, registrants and the, their current status. And if anybody has got any kind of information about a registrant, and we encourage people to get in touch with us, um, we're very happy to receive their information. And we always stress that we'd like um, positive feedback about registrants as well as uh, potential harmful uh, practice that uh, people are worried about because we think it's important to reinforce the positives of good public health practice, not just um, look for negatives. Mm, of course. And, and how does uh, UKPHR ensure that competence um, is maintained after registration has been achieved? Well, I think that's also important because if somebody was only competent uh, in a point in time, then the more time that elapses after that, the, the less you can rely on the entry in the register. So it is really important. We start from a basis that we have an ethos of continuous improvement, both for ourselves and for our registrants. And then we um, do require a mandatory com uh, continuing professional development, CPD, of all our registrants and check that that is complied with. And then every five years, we conduct a kind of check that people are still up to the standard or have bettered the standard that they achieved in their initial registration. To date, that's been called re-registration every five years. But uh, like the General Medical Council, and now like the Nursing and Midwifery Council, we're going to introduce revalidation uh, from next year. And that will also be five yearly and we'll replace the re-registration. So probably... Um, a tougher, tighter scheme to assure everybody that competence has been maintained since the person got the first registration. And just to go back to that point that we're a public register, we welcome feedback from anybody, any source, uh, and we will make use of that feedback, back, both positive and negative, in order to ensure that uh, our register is uh, an up-to-date assurance of every registrant's competence. And is there um, a requirement to, to complete some kind of portfolio or, or are there kind of specific CPD requirements? There are specific um, CPD requirements. There, we have um, exactly the same 
requirement of a specialist that the faculty of public health requires as its standard of good public health practice by uh, specialists. And we've established our own scheme for practitioners uh, of um, the number of hours of CPD that they must maintain uh, every year of their registration. And we audit that each year to make sure that people are maintaining those hours of CPD. And, and how do people apply for registration? That's a good question. Um, we strive all the time to improve our website, and I do think it's getting better all the time. And all the information about application is on our website, I think in quite a clear way. So there's um, the application form itself, which is obviously important, but also the explanation of the standards that we're seeking. And if uh, a person wants to apply by one of the routes that does involve assessing the portfolio, then there's guidance about completing the portfolio and the standards that we apply and the evidence that we'll be looking for to support um, a claim that somebody meets those standards. So all of that's on our website. Lots of people read our website and then ring us. We positively welcome that. We're happy to give guidance and assistance to people to make sure they've got the right understanding of what they need to do. And uh, if people want to keep in touch with our office as they're preparing their application, that's absolutely fine by us. And, and what do you see as, as the unique contribution that the UK PHR makes to public health practice? Well, I, I think we are one of several players in the public health system, so I don't want to overstate our own importance, but I do think we have a role to play. I mean, firstly, the core public health workforce is really quite small in the whole scheme of things. And yet, if you think about the challenges set by Marmot and even the um, Simon Stevens five-year forward view in the NHS, there's a major kind of preventive and public health agenda that we're expected to fulfill. It's uh, challenging, demanding, but also it's, it's quite satisfying for people to uh, be able to achieve the differences that a committed public health workforce can achieve. But I think it's such a great task, such a great challenge for such a small group of people that the only way to achieve this is through a whole system approach, which kind of applies public health uh, practice in um, a, a formidable way across the whole of the, uh, our society. And so that means that we engage with lots and lots of other people, including this massive wider workforce who, as part of the work that they do day in, day out, is contributing to good public health outcomes. This is the 15 million people that the Centre for Workforce Intelligence estimated uh, carry out some public health work as part of a wider workforce and the 5 million or so unpaid carers who also contribute. So I see the public health workforce as engaging with all of those people in order to complete this fantastic task that we have got. And that um, system that we need, the whole system approach, uh, requires those organisations in the world of public health to work together and support that. And I see um, the register as working with those other partners in public health to make sure that the workforce gets that support. Um, now, I've heard about the public health practitioner scheme. I was wondering if you could say a bit more about that and how it relates <clears throat> to the UK Public Health Register. Yeah, gladly. Um, so that's we go back to about 2010, and the people then who managed the register, this is before my time, were satisfied that we were reaching all the public health specialists that needed to be registered and persuading them to be on the register. 
but they were the tip of the triangle uh, in terms of the workforce for public health. And we didn't see why there should be a complete kind of black hole where the, the public health practitioners were in terms of recognition, voice, and indeed regulation. So the decision was made to extend uh, our register to take public health practitioner applications as well. But we are a very lean organisation. We have no sources of income other than our registration fees. And we couldn't afford to set up a national scheme of registration. So the model that was developed in four pilot areas of the United Kingdom was that with willing partners in local areas, we would help them to set up a scheme of assessors of portfolios, verifiers of the assessment process, and verification panels to assess portfolios. And when that process was satisfied and a person's portfolio was assessed as being uh, to meet the standard of our registration, only then the public health practitioner would complete the application, which comes to us, and we put them on our register. And from then we take them on, and the CPD and the re-registration, the revalidation is all applied by us nationally to them. But that crucial first stage, the assessment, is carried out by a local scheme of willing organisations. So in some parts of the United Kingdom, that today is Health Education England, Sometimes it's Public Health England. Sometimes it's local authorities. Uh, some of the schemes are supported by universities. And th it's that mix. And then in Scotland and Wales, where the 2012 changes to public health didn't occur, it's still very much uh, other organisations. So in Wales, it's Public Health Wales that supports public health practitioners. And in Scotland, it's some, but not all, of the NHS boards in Scotland. So you can see it's a bit of a patchwork of the willing, it's a coalition of the willing for sure, and it doesn't yet reach exactly all the parts of the United Kingdom. So there's some of England and some of Scotland that doesn't yet have access to practitioner registration. And we very much want to work with our willing partners in the public health system to make sure they're not excluded in those areas, uh, the practitioners who want to register, and that the scheme is genuinely UK-wide. And, and what does the curriculum cover and, and what skills are, are candidates expected to demonstrate? Okay, so the um, standard that was set in terms of um, understanding who should be called a public health practitioner for registration purposes was the um, level five in the public health skills and what was then called careers framework and also the skills for health uh, competency framework, which is where a person is... Um, proved to be working autonomously, so without somebody else to control or direct their decision-making. And um, that was the standard that we set. We developed then a curriculum that goes with, those, um, with that standard, and we developed the framework against which a portfolio would be completed and assessed. And again, that's all on our website, and it's a very handy kind of one side of A4 table, which shows the four areas in which the competences are divided. Some of those will be familiar to everybody in public health as the technical knowledge and skills that people need. Another are the wider skills about working with partners, being good at communication, able, able to show leadership and so on, that's necessary to uh, be skillful at public health practice. And, uh, and certainly in the West Midlands, uh, we do have... Um, 
public health specialty registrars uh, contributing towards uh, the teaching and training on that scheme um, and uh, and looking at the, the new curriculum there are specific um, competencies around assuring a sufficient and competent public health workforce so, so it is a, an opportunity uh, to show uh, or demonstrate uh, some of those learning outcomes on on the specialist training scheme as well. I know I think um, we've come across specialist registrars all over the United Kingdom who uh, help in that way and I think it's kind of a great two-way relationship that um, we get the help that we need for our practitioners to be trained uh, in order to be able to complete their uh, portfolios satisfactorily and um, the specialist registrars get uh, additional exposure to experiences that they might not otherwise and the same goes for our assessors who assess portfolios both on the local schemes for the public health practitioners and our national assessors for the specialists who complete portfolios. They all give their time to us for free, uh, which is an amazing benefit to us. Um, and, and yet they say they, one of the reasons they do it is that they constantly learn more from the assessments. And of course that counts towards their continuing professional development themselves. And what resources, um, including conferences, um, would you recommend for public health practitioners who are either thinking of applying or those who are already on the scheme? Well, the way the um, scheme is uh, set up at the moment, uh, people, the only way to register as a public health practitioner is through a, a portfolio of evidence uh, to show that they have all the necessary competencies to meet the standards that we've set. And that does involve some qualifications. So, um, people do tend to get uh, bachelor's degrees or master's in public health to show some, some of the, particularly the knowledge aspects. But we also require people to show in their portfolio that they understand what that knowledge is for and that they can also show evidence of having applied that knowledge in practical ways. And that will often mean that people must have done something in public health in order to be able to complete the, the jigsaw. Um, so if people can get jobs in public health, uh, uh, perhaps while they're studying or before they actually put pen to paper with a portfolio, or more increasingly now an electronic portfolio, um, they, they do need to have some uh, experiences of applying their knowledge in a public health setting. And are you aware of, of any similar register anywhere else um, in the world, or, or, or is the UK unique in having this type of register? Well, I mean, obviously we're not the only voluntary register that exists. I would say obviously, the, um, I mentioned the accreditation scheme by the Professional Standards Authority, and they've accredited, I think it's 19 or 20 registers in the UK, uh, of which we are one. So other voluntary registers uh, exist. Um, I, I think we're the only specialist public health register and nothing else in the United Kingdom. And when we kind of meet with people um, at the international level, I haven't come across anybody who's got a similar register to ours. And certainly we've um, given information to other countries about how to set one up. So um, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Lithuania, uh, all of those have made inquiries about how we run our scheme. Uh, and uh, maybe can we are the forerunner uh, of how other people will run schemes. Um, well, thanks very much, David. That's been really useful. I'm sure people who are thinking about applying to the UK Public Health Register or already on the scheme will find this really 
really useful, um, as will those who, who are supporting uh, the UK Public Health Practitioner Scheme. Uh, really appreciate your time. Um, You're welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can discuss this and other episodes of the TIFF podcast on Twitter using hashtag PHDevelop. And please feel free to suggest topics for future episodes. Thanks again for listening and hope to see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.